Welcome to Studs. I'm not Dan Lazar. I'm Scott Robin, <laughs> standing in for Dan. Studs explores and honors working. It also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Turkle. And in Dan's effort to close the social distance, <laughs> Studs gives him a chance to check in with good, hardworking people and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. Thank you so much, on behalf of Dan, for tuning in. Well, that was splendid. Twas. Well done, Scott Robin. Thank you. So, our beloved listeners, if they were listening last week, heard me engage in the fateful move of opening a beer, which I believe directly resulted in the short Q&A episode. I thought I would throw in between seasons into like these long, winding, beer-induced diatribes. And so we didn't get to finish our Q&A last week. Now did we, buddy? No, but I think that was a good thing because there were a lot of good questions and uh, a lot of good thoughtful answers. And now we get to do it again. And since I failed to introduce you until about like five minutes into the episode last time, I'll do it now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my dearest friend from childhood and I guess pretty much kind of like my favorite person in the whole wide world, save for my wife and daughter, Scott Robin. Scott Robin was on the first season of Studs. He also was on the Workers' Roundtable and he also guested as his alter ego, Howard Maple, the pet eulogist on the April Fool's edition of the Studs Pod. Thanks for coming back this week to do it, Scott. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This is, uh, this is a treat for me, too. Can I be a little navel-gazy? And who's navel? You. Please. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can I? Oh, yeah. Did you learn anything substantial about the Studs Pod last week? having had the opportunity to listen to me sort of drunk and babble about it? I did, yeah. I A couple of things surprised me about it. I wouldn't say somebody surprises the rock word, but um, I was pleased at how clear and consistent you are on the mission of this podcast. I think the uh, the sort of questions about having people talk about jobs that they were less than thrilled about having, uh, dishonorable jobs and things like that. I was, I was heartened at how you uh, both answered those respectfully and also really just kept consistent and clear with the sort of positive tone of this podcast. Not that I would have expected you to, to do otherwise, but those seemed like they could have been real kind of like juicy topics for diving into, you know, sort of weird or interesting territories. Uh, and I thought that was great. And and also your trajectory towards eventually reaching out and, and having, uh, you know, sort of average everyday jobs and people, the people who work them on the podcast, uh, as opposed to a trajectory that sort of sent you towards Barack Obama and celebrities this is uh, consistent with my my view and understanding of you and, and just made me really excited for the future of this podcast. Thanks, man. That's really kind of you. I appreciate it. So you have a bag of questions 
and you can pull from that bag as you wish, and I will do my best to answer. Oh, hold on. Mm. Give me a second. I wanted this week to get another special beer. This is kind of celebratory for me. I get to have like my best buddy on the podcast to talk about my podcast after having the best season of studs I've ever had. I'm going to run to the fridge and grab a beer, okay? Please do. That way we can make sure this podcast goes for an hour also. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's the question? I'm ready. That is a very pleasing sound. Welcome to the AA ASMR podcast. Uh, The question that we're going to start off with today is from Martina Hernandez Cortez uh, from Chicago. Represent. What up, Chicago? And her question is, I live in Chicago, so I love that you love Studs Terkel. I remember when we did an oral history project in history class and you talked about him. I see his influence on you. But I always wonder how much this podcast is a tribute to him. Are you trying to channel him or speak to him in your conversations? <laughs> One day. I have to imagine, I'm going to interrupt here for a second. Go ahead. I have to imagine that in your teachings, as it, being a, teach, a history of a teacher, 20 years teaching at this point, are we at 20 years? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I just finished the 20th year this week. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. And Studs now has existed for? One year. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary, yeah. One-year anniversary. Also, congratulations. Thank you. For the the 19 years before then, that I have to imagine that Studs has been a part of you well before this podcast, and therefore a part of your students' lives vis-a-vis your classroom. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't always mention him by name, although it is one of those fun names to say, I will confess. But I do try to inculcate in my students that people's stories matter, that everybody has a story, that nobody's story is more important than anybody else's story. And that mere fact is at the root of empathic engagement. And what I try to share with my students, what I try to model, though I don't always do it successfully, what I try to illustrate through our conversations and through you know my choice of texts that we read, is that people's history matters, that all of us have histories, And that we can all learn so much from listening to each other's stories. And to really sort of dial in to what people are trying to say and being really compassionate, like listening actively and sort of walking with them as they tell their story. Not judging, not comparing your story to theirs, Not just waiting to speak, but like, you know, just sharing space 
trying to be fully present for and with them and listening with empathy. You know, most of my students, you know, when they're discussing history that day about a particular topic, it's probably the first time they've ever talked about it, you know? And so, like, I ask them to listen to each other with that level of empathy, like knowing that everyone's just trying it on, you know, and it doesn't always come out the way they want it to the first time. And maybe they're not exactly saying what they meant to say, you know, but they're just trying to have a conversation to contribute to a marketplace of ideas. And so I think like Studs Terkel is sort of, you know, a great model of that. The lexicon of Studs Terkel's work embodies these principles of empathy. And I forgot what the question was. Well, I, I kind of uh, steered us away from it a little bit, but the when you are, are interviewing folks, do you try to channel Studs? Uh, are you asking questions in a manner you think Studs would ask them? Or... You know, or is it more symbolic of his work? Okay, so I'll give you a confession, then I'll give you a confession. And if I don't like the way it sounds coming out of my mouth, I'll just cut it because I'm editing this thing. Confession number one is I actually had a beer before we started recording. So it's my second one. And so I'm going to use that as fuel for confession number two. Look, Studs Terkel matters to me a lot. His voice resonates with me. I adore him for having equal parts respect for Pete Seeger as he did for the person who worked behind the lunch counter. He had as much respect for the butcher as he did for James Baldwin. And not in some rhetorical way. Like, actually... That's how he saw the world. And I aspire to that. I'm not there. But I aspire to that. That said, there's a reason that I named the podcast Studs that I I don't know that I've told anyone. And it's because... I couldn't make it about me. Like, I couldn't have a podcast like In Conversation with Daniel Lazar. I couldn't have a podcast that had like my face on the product. I didn't have the courage to make the thing about me. And so I made it about this old... Russian Jewish dude from Chicago who inspires me in a great many ways. Uh, you know, and, you know, the name Studs has always bothered me a little bit, right? Like, you know, we know what a stud is and, you know, like being a stud has sort of like a hyper-masculine connotation that I want no part of whatsoever, and then I remember Mark Marin, the WTF podcast, you know, one of the most successful podcasts in the, in the medium. 
he came to regret calling his podcast WTF. Once it started getting successful, he's like, oh, and now I'm stuck with the name WTF. And so I kind of made like this choice to name my podcast something that I was pretty sure I was going to regret. Partially in a tribute to Mark Marin, very much more so in a tribute to Lewis Studs Terkel, but mostly because I couldn't manage to make it about me. And there was only one other working title for the podcast, and I thought it was genius, but nobody liked it. I also really like the idea of uh, these like testosterone-filled bros, you know, downloading your podcast and getting there, and it's just like thoughtful discourse. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, real sucker punch. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. Yeah. Well, so I got to ask you, Dan. What was it? What was what? Your other working title. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, you know, you're going to make fun of me. Um, I think it was great, though. It was twerking, but with an O. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's real good. And then I started thinking about, like, you know, the cover art, the tiles. I was totally into it. But <laughs> everyone who I brought it up to just, like, had the same reaction you did. They just laughed and dismissed it. So... <laughs> Well, you had read out the first one. I laughed, but I did not dismiss okay. it. This is this is staying with me. This is good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another question here. What do we got? Uh, this one. This one's from CC Cook in Berlin. Hey, Christine Cook. Sweet. I'm kind of excited that she threw in a question. What does she want to know? CC asks, "What are your thoughts on podcasters, mainly in our generation?" Uh, which I believe uh, she's talking about our generation. There are no other generations besides ours. I refuse to believe that she's younger than us. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on podcasters that amplify their own voices and speak solely about their own lives? Oh, right. Because it's kind of the antithesis of what I do. So CC uh, was the Kennedy School class of 2020. That's her generation. And I think I know to what she's referring, sort of like the navel-gazy, give me a microphone. I think that shit's great. And I'll tell you why. I have found that the medium itself, the podcasting medium, engenders an intimacy that's hard to match. And I also have found that the medium, perhaps because of the ways in which it allows for intimacy, can really bring out the best in people. So I support, you know, Gen Z trying to be like the best version of themselves speaking into a can and broadcasting it to the world. I think that's great. I think it gives them a, a platform. It gives them an opportunity to honestly and earnestly reflect. And I think in many cases, it's just for them, right? They're just doing it as their own form of 
reflection, maybe their own form of therapy. I use that term with some discomfort, but I, I do mean it when I say it. And I, I support that. If it brings young people an opportunity to explore themselves and to maybe be in conversation in a heightened way with some of their pals, then I'm totally for it. And if they happen to catch lightning in a bottle, let's say they're really charismatic or they, 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 they add value that might not exist in other podcasts and they happen to you know, get big somehow and develop an audience... I mean, that's fine too. But like, I guess, you know, Christine Cook, if someone were playing music and uh, and one day they said, I'm going to go into a studio and record an album and I'm going to put it out on SoundCloud or MixCloud, nobody would judge them. Everybody would support them. You know, maybe their music wasn't the best. Maybe there was nothing original about it. But like, they're doing it. They're going out there and they're trying to create original content. But because it's the spoken word, right? And because on some level everyone can do it, perhaps there's a rush to judge the amateur Gen Z podcaster. And I am in no rush to judge anybody in Gen Z, period. You know, I just say, go on, y'all. Keep doing what you do. You're doing better than my generation did. Love y'all through and through. But I sure as shit ain't gonna judge someone who's just trying to like find their voice and to find maybe an audience to 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 share their thoughts and feelings with. I'm totally into it. So Christine, I'm looking forward to your podcast. I'll be your first subscriber. I'll write your first review. I am all in, Christine Cook. Amen. That's well said. You know, I think it, it uh, if I can sort of chime in a little bit on that, I think there's a, a long history of this sort of thing, of, of people, comedians writing what they know, writers, filmmakers, right? Speaking from from your perspective is, is an, important, an important part of the arts, and humanity for a really long time. And I think this is another example of that, a modern example of it. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm all for it. Thanks, man. You got to meet this Christine Cook girl. Did you know, Scott Robin, my dear childhood friend, that when I was a young man, I actually had an imaginary friend called Cece? I did not. Yeah. It did not stand for anything. It was uh, Cece uh, was a boy and he was named after the bike shop down the street, CC Cycle. And CC had a friend. This was my other imaginary friend. We were a trio of sorts. And <laughs> her name was Amy Kugel. <laughs> you know Kugel? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the Jewish savory treat. Yep. CC and Amy Kugel. And CC Cook was my student for a couple of years. Can I ask you a question? Is it about Kugel? Because we've known each other. Yeah, it is. Well, it's it's about Amy and Cece because uh-huh. uh, we've known each other for our entire lives. Yeah. Uh, did I ever hang out with Cece and Amy Kogel? Like when we were all together, were they there as well? I think it was usually when I was alone. I recall them being in the back of my mom's Chrysler sedan with me 
in the late 70s and early 80s. I remember the vinyl seats in the back, you know, and they would just get hot in the summertime. Mm. And it was a two-door, and the doors were enormously long. And I would just sit back there. I don't know that we had car seats, and and no, I don't reminisce on that fondly. It's a miracle we all survived it. (laughs) And, of course, some didn't. Um, But, yeah, I remember being in the back of my mom's sort of yellowish-brown Chrysler sedan with my imaginary friends and usually a stuffed animal on my lap. And that's when I had most of my quality time with my imaginary (laughs) friends. That's great. That's a nice picture you painted. Thanks, buddy. Do we have more questions in the bucket? We do. Okay. This is another one from Julian G in Berlin. Oh, he got two questions. How about that? He had a question last episode. All right. What does he got? Uh, Do you have one or two extremely memorable episodes where you just came out of the podcast completely enlightened spiritually or emotionally? Uh, Julian, brother, I don't know that you'll find this satisfying or you'll find it thoroughly satisfying. I hope it's the latter. I buzz real hard from every single episode. Like when I say farewell to a guest and I hit end on the call, like I jump up. I feel so good. And even if I know that that means that I have a day or two of focused editing in front of me, Every episode breathes life into me. Every discussion that I have, every single one of them, gives me new insight. It brings me new hope. It helps me to feel a little more positive. I feel connected to these people in ways that I'd never had before. And as I'm kind of scrolling through the episodes, because I can pretty much name them all and in order, they're all so near and dear to my heart. I want to pick this one, then that one, then this one, then that one. And so I hope this is satisfying to you, Julian, but like, I kind of love all my babies equally. I mean it. So no. Sorry, dude. Yeah. He's a real solid kid. Did you listen to that episode? Yeah. The concierge episode? I did, yeah. 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 He's a solid guy. Yeah, go ahead. This, I imagine, happens, you know, from you having this long history of teaching where you're a part of these uh, students' lives, you know, at a time of sort of growth. Uh, you know, and then a gap goes by and you get to reconnect with them. They've grown into themselves. They've grown into their careers. They're adults. They're full-fledged adults when you connect with them again. And, and in some other respects, some of the people that you've interviewed that you and I have known are people that we may have known in elementary school or high school, and perhaps a gap has gone by and they get to reconnect with them. What's that like for you? You seem to, you know, 
you you handle it well and you connect the two dots and you you know you you carry the the friendship you know and uh you know through from from one time period to another but what's that like for you both as a personally and and as part of the podcast you know in covid times we've all been seeking opportunities to cultivate genuine connections and there were times over the last 16 months or so where I didn't have a classroom, you know, I was all online. And there were other times where we had some sort of a hybrid, but like, you know, and I don't, I don't want to talk about the pandemic too much because nobody listening wants to hear me talk about the pandemic. I got nothing new or particularly positive to say. But I found that whether it was a former student or, you know, an old elementary school pal of ours, people are seeking honest and earnest connections. People want to be heard. People want to tell their stories. And I want to set the table for them to do that. And the connection doesn't always work immediately. So uh, here's a little inside baseball. There have been... I don't know, maybe three or four or five occasions where I ask the question at the beginning, you know, welcome to studs, how do you describe what you do? And they give some answer. And I ask them how they got on the path. That's how every episode starts. And I hear what they're saying, but I could tell that they're just not connecting to what they're saying. They're not sure how they feel about the situation yet. They haven't gotten comfortable. They, they're not convinced that I actually care about how they describe what they do. They're not convinced that their path matters to me. And so then I ask a follow-up question, two or three, and we get into this conversation. And then an hour and a half later... When we're done, I say, hey, would you do me a favor? And invariably they say yes. I say, I want to stand up for a minute or two, and then we're going to sit back down. I'm going to ask you to describe what you do, and then when you're done, I'm going to ask you how you got in that path. The same two questions I asked you at the beginning. Is Is that okay with you? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. And 100% of the time, that's the answer that goes in. And that's the only mulligans I usually give my guests. It's the only mulligans that they really need. Mm -hmm. And so the connection thing, it's pretty organic. You know, it's what we want. It's what I need. I think maybe on some level, this is important. I never thought of it this way. I think maybe people see that I need to connect with them. They, they intuit that this is important to me, that I need to learn more, that I need to have my curiosity satiated, and that I need to connect with them. And just being people, they deliver. And maybe that's like what makes the podcast work, like to the extent to which it does. Like, maybe it's just that. It's like the generosity of spirit that my guests bring to the process. 
when they realize that I need it, and I do, they bring it. Next Q&A episode, you're going to have some beers too. (laughs) (laughs) How's the question pile? Good. I mean, we got a couple more. There's another one from Lena, if you wanted to. I do feel awkward receiving compliments. Yeah, I cut them out of every episode. Is it true that you have a supercut of all of the compliments that you just play on your phone over to yourself? <laughs> Take long walks. Good question, Dan. Good question, Dan. It's my morning affirmation. And uh, as I shave in the morning, I, I play it. And then I write bitch in bright red lipstick on the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan, I know, uh, you know, we're, we're running out of time and beer here. Yes. And it's getting late for you in Berlin. It is. Uh, it's insanely late. I can barely even <laughs> handle this right now. I'm drunk and tired. What's your next question? <laughs> uh, well, I, you, you have a tradition of closing out each podcast by asking the listener a very specific question. And I was hoping that we could ask that of you as well. Ah, Uh, I'm sure you know where this is going, but I'll say it anyways. Uh, You always ask people for one triumph and a failure. I'm going to ask you to do the same this time with your podcast in mind. Can you please describe for us one triumph and one failure that you've had in creating studs? Hmm. Do you like that question, by the way? Like, do you support that being the concluding question? I do. Yeah. I think thematically it's nice. I anguish over it. In general, for other listeners or for yourself in this particular Q&A? For other listeners. Hmm. Why do you anguish over it? Some people don't really see failure. They just see like opportunities to learn. And I wonder if there's a better way to drive the train into the station. Sometimes I fear that guests have already talked about the highs and lows and they're forced to maybe make something up. Yeah. Okay. I I, I like it. I like it. And I think that people will tend to answer it the way that they want to answer it. So they may not dig deep into the failure. They may just kind of brush onto it, you know, and go to the success if they want. But uh, I like it. Then I'll give it a shot. Hoisted by my own petard again. So my greatest failure actually has something to do with you. And I'm not too hard on myself about it, but... So the first guests on Studs, like most of the first season, was people who are really close to me yourself included. And I accidentally made some of the most important people in my life my test dummies for this project. You may well be my favorite person in the world with whom to speak, Scott Robin, but nobody would guess that from listening to our podcast conversation from season one. It wasn't tragic. It was fine. It was fine. People got to learn a bit about your work. 
people got to learn a bit about Dan Wolf's work or Ryan Gellert's work. But like, these are people who mean the world to me. And I didn't have the comfort and I didn't have the skills and I didn't have the experience. and I didn't have this fancy microphone that I have now. And I didn't have the editing savvy to like really bring them to life. And that was a failure. And I, it's not like a huge regret, you know, I, yes, I would have done it differently. I haven't lost a moment to sleep over it. But I sometimes get a little bit of a heavy heart when I think about what our conversation or Ryan Gellert's conversation with me on studs or Dan Wolf's, all of which I enjoy. And I listen to them sometimes just to hear all of your voices. Um but sometimes I wonder what it could have been like to have a little more experience and some more editing chops, etc. before I dove in with the people who give me reason to live. So that's, you know, a failure. And I'll add to that, and maybe this will kind of transition to my success. Yeah, it will, it will. When in 2010... My mother-in-law gifted me an H2 Zoom microphone, a portable digital microphone, because I wanted to start a podcast. And my failure was that I, I didn't. And that's a failure for a couple of reasons. You know, it was a failure of courage. And it doesn't matter except for the fact that like these people's voices who I'm able to magnify a bit here, like in a 2010, 2012 podcast landscape, I could have magnified them so much more. The podcast arena was so much smaller. You know, I started podcasting when like everyone started podcasting. And so it was a failure of mine to not have the courage to start podcasting when I had a lot of fire behind it and I didn't have a kid in 2010. And I missed that that opportunity. I feel like in a way, perhaps arrogantly, I feel that I could have helped to do my part at least to make the podcasting space a place for for people to talk to regular working people, for people to talk to, you know, their neighbors and the people they grew up with and, you know, not politicians and not celebrities and not self-promoters, which is what the podcasting arena has become. And so that's that's a failure of mine. And, you know, sometimes I have a heavy heart about it. But, you know, I try to be graceful with myself. But that kind of pivots to the success, which is like the greatest triumph is like, I'm doing it, man. Like I have a podcast and I get to do exactly what I want to do with this podcast. You know, I have another podcast that I do with my students Right. And we have 30 episodes and I give them 
a forum to have safe but challenging dialogues about identity and diversity. And that's a cool podcast for them. And I have a podcast uh, where I record lectures and conversations about governance and politics. And I'm out here and I'm doing my part to add value to a marketplace of ideas. You know, and so if there's a success, if there's a triumph, it's that I've like, at age 45, you know, found the the confidence or the willingness to be vulnerable and to put myself out there. And in the process, I'd like to think that I bring other people along with me. You know, a lot of the guests on this podcast, they've never been in front of a microphone before. I walk with them. I meet them where they are and I walk with them. And, you know, maybe that's my success and it's humble, but I'm okay with that. Well, Daniel, if you had started in 2010, I wouldn't have listened to you because I didn't know how to operate a podcast. That <laughs> Who did? I say this sincerely, 2020 and 2021, your podcast and you personally were a highlight and a shining moment. You've given me a chance to connect with people that uh, had previously been in our lives. You've brought them into the present in my life. People that I've, I've heard of, the names that I've heard of over the years of people that you've been connected with through teaching and through your life in Berlin. And uh, I'm very grateful that you're doing this and I'm looking forward to being a listener for many years to come. You're beautiful, Scott Robin. I love you. You're going to be gaga about the next couple of seasons of this podcast. There's a bunch of people I've been talking about for years that you're going to get to hear from. I'm going to try to like push the boundaries a little bit moving forward. You know, I got this season coming up with educators and like, these are my people, you know, and I know we can dive deep together. And then there's this season with artists. And these are people who I aspire to call my people. I want to be an artist. And so I'm going to be with them. You know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be creative with and for them. The podcast is gonna go places, and you know, I know I'm gonna do this thing throughout 2021. I don't know what the future is after that, but I'm really grateful that you, sir, have been willing to be with me two weeks in a row. I can't wait to get back to regular fellowship with you next Tuesday night. Thanks for compiling my audience's questions. Thanks for engaging with me. I can't think of a better person to do this with. I was a little nervous to ask you to be my interlocutor, but it's clear to me that I made the right choice. Are we good? Yes. And likewise, thank you for having me. And uh, on behalf of all the listeners, thank you for doing this. We did it. We did it. <laughs>
Oh, wait. Hold on one second, buddy. I think I got company. What are you doing awake? I heard our podcast from, like, other side of the world. Yeah, I talk loud. Hey, I'm on the phone with Scott. Mm-hmm. We're doing an audience question and answer episode thing. Mm-hmm. Say hi to Scott. Hi to Scott. <laughs> hi to Scott. So, uh, do you want to ask a question about the podcast? Yeah. Why don't you put enough comedy in that thing? Like, <laughs> if you want a good podcast, you need comedy. What, are you, are you a comedian? You're a regular comedian? No, you are. You need to put comedy. You're a comedian. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes. Does it have to be funny all the time? All the time. That's how, <laughs> that's how people are going to like it. Funny. All right, is that your question? That's my demand and question. It's your demand and your question? Yes. Do you have any questions about why I do the podcast or what I'm trying to do? I mean, I'm a little sleepy now, but maybe I'll come up with an idea later. Okay. Give me a kiss. Say goodnight. Good night. Good night.